This is the Champions Coffee Podcast on the Vigo Podcast Network. On this show, we take 20 minutes to celebrate the champions behind higher education student support and experience. These are the individuals who are pushing the boundaries and changing student lives on a daily basis, and we get to hear their stories and their visions for the sector. Hello world and welcome to the Champions Coffee Podcast where every week we have a coffee with an education professional who is out there on the front lines championing students to be all that they can be. I'm your host Ben Hallett and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Vigo. Vigo is a support ecosystem platform that helps educators connect their students to their mentors, tutors, advisors, counsellors and all the different support services in between. And at Vigo, we believe in celebrating professionals who make all of these support services tick, which is why that we're doing this podcast. And today we have uh, two special guests. I am joined by Hannah Gardner, who I will introduce from the Vigo team. And our, our guest today from the education world is Tanya Stritzel, Head of Student Engagement and Success at the University of Greenwich. Tanya has been working in the student engagement and success space for the best part of the last decade. Before joining Greenwich, she worked across students' unions and universities, including Middlesex University, where she was the institutional project lead for the TSEP Inclusive Engagement Project, exploring the experience of student representatives identifying as students of color. Tanya is currently an external trustee for a student's union. She was also previously a member of the Student Engagement Network RAISE Committee and a member of the QAA Student Strategic Advisory Committee. And I just wanted to apologize in advance for the audio quality today. We, we recorded this one on, on campus at Greenwich University, but it seems like one of our microphones wasn't picking up. So Tanya is loud and clear, but you might find myself and Hannah a little bit hard to hear, but that's okay. Tanya has all the goods. All right, without further ado, let's welcome in Tanya. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good, good. And, and we've also a special uh, guest today. We've got Hannah as well on the podcast. Hannah, how's it going? Hello, thank you for having me. So we've obviously just heard Tanya's um, uh, background, but uh, Hannah, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Hannah. I think you both know me quite well, but I am the Regional Director of Partners I've been working with Tanya now for... Year and a half? Year and a half, yeah. Uh, growing the Vigo platform and program at Greenwich, which is very exciting. Awesome. All right, sweet. Well, with that, um, Tanya, I'd love to kick off the conversation with uh, what life experiences motivated you to enter the education space and, or you know, what's keeping you motivated to stay here? Yeah, I mean, I kind of fell fell into this career. I hadn't planned on it. Um, so I actually studied history um, and I came to the UK for my master's and thought I would come here do my master's for a year and go back to Germany, where I'm originally from, um, to do my PhD. Um, but obviously, life usually takes you in lots of different directions. Um, so I ended up running for a student officer during my time um, studying my master's. Um, and then, yeah, really fell in love how student representation works in the UK. Um, ended up working for students' unions for a bit and then moved over to the university side and the student engagement side and have been working in that space ever since and love it and very much live and breathe student engagement. Um, I think my, my team knows that and my friends know that as well. That I usually always talk about student engagement whenever I can. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, here I am. Awesome. I often find um, some of the most passionate um, and innovative people in in the student experience space did have a time uh, in the student union uh, or involved in that space. You know, I guess, how do you you think that your time has 
that has influenced the way you now look at things from uh, more of the university angle? I think for me, it's really students for me. Obviously, everyone says that in the space that students are at the heart of what we do. But I think I always get back to those kind of roots of actually student officers representing students' interests and understanding that actually it's very difficult as an officer to represent students' interests. I was representing postgraduate students, and there was a big difference between what taught students wanted and what research students wanted and trying to negotiate the different the different NAS, but also understanding the different experiences that students brought. And I think that kind of has shaped how I approach I guess student engagement, student experience generally, but also now that I work for the university, it shapes how I work with the students' union. I work very closely with the SU here and with the officer team here. I usually see them on a weekly basis um, because I think it's really important to kind of keep in touch with what they're hearing from students. Um, and equally, I teach as well alongside my job, and that really helps me to kind of get insight into what what are students what are students experiencing on the ground. That's great. I, one of the key things I see difference in. The, Australia UK is, is the positioning of the students union in Australia it's it's a bit more of a separate entity um, and it can turn into this sort of um, more like combative uh, relationship between the staff and the students union but in the UK it's much more integrated and, and I love that um, yeah I think that's a really cool um, unique thing about the United Kingdom but kind of segueing into you know what, how are you currently thinking about the student experience and success space um, at Greenwich, you know, what's what's going on in your mind this year? What are you thinking about? I think the biggest thing um, on everyone's mind, probably in the sector, is cost of living and how that is impacting students. Um, so we've done a lot of initiatives this year around that space. So um, again, actually working with the Students' Union, they've done uh, some research in Term 1, um, ran a survey to ask our students how the cost of living is impacting them. Um, and on the back of that, um, produce some recommendations and we're running lots of initiatives so we tried uh, piloted an open pantry similar to a food bank last term um, so that students could come and kind of take the staples that they would need for a week it was kind of difficult to manage logistically so we've changed to a food voucher system this term um, but the demand for that is really is really high um, and obviously it's Obviously, it's heartbreaking to see, but equally, it's actually really good to be able to do something in that space. Um, we're also providing free community meals, so breakfasts and dinners. Um, we're going to launch um, some support scheme for our, for our buses. So Greenwich has three campuses, so students have to take an inter-campus bus as well. Um, so just trying to support the students in, in different ways that we can, because we know that transport and food costs are really, really challenging for them. Mm, okay. Yeah, you know, I did see this, some of the statistics coming out of the NSS uh, around the cost of living crisis, and um, I think it was 40% of students in the UK had reported a um, decline in their mental health since October yeah. related to yeah. these new pressures. Is that something you're seeing similar from Greenwich? Yeah, absolutely. So when we did the survey... Um over 50% of our students that they only had £50 left at the end of the month after all the kind of key essentials they had to pay for. And obviously you can imagine how kind of financial stress impacts on mental health. And that's certainly what we're seeing, uh, that what we see coming through. Um, obviously we've, we've doubled our hardship funding. We're trying to kind of support students in different ways. Um, but absolutely it's very stressful, obviously, for students to manage that alongside their studies. And obviously that has an impact on what my team see in terms of attendance because students actually have to make really difficult decisions about can I afford to come into class today and can I afford to pay for that commute or actually do I need that money to buy my one meal a day? So these are really challenging decisions that mm. students have to make. And imagine flow on effects, right? You know, it starts with financial pressure. It ends in um, maybe uh, you know, 
academic, um, you know, more, more increased academic challenges. Yeah, absolutely. More increased uh, reliance on other support services. Uh, it has a big phone effect, it sounds like. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that is, as I said, so if they then decide, oh, I can't come to class, I actually have to work to fund myself. Obviously, that has an impact on attendance as well. And obviously, my team looks after kind of attendance and engagement. Um, and that's why I think that's actually really key because obviously we pick up, we pick up when students haven't attended for a full week. Um, we get in touch with them. We send them emails. We send them text messages. We have the calling project through the SU to check in with them. Again, all framed in a in a supportive way because we obviously we don't want it to come across us. Oh God, you haven't attended. Um, how dare you? But obviously, we know actually that students have complex lives and that we need to be able to support them. Yeah, that calling project you did was so amazing. Are you still doing that? Yes, yeah, so it's now in its third year, third year running. Um, so yes, really, really great um, to have that project. So we call all of our students at least once a term. Um, and around, so obviously we don't reach all the students that we call, um, but around 35% of the students that are being called um, actually pick up the call and complete the check-in. So we ask students about their program experience, how it's going, do they know who their personal tutor is? Um, we do ask them around loneliness. So again, that's another theme that we've picked up on that some students might feel lonely. Um, and then, for example, if the answer that uh, if the answer to that question is yes, we would link to things like Vigo and peer mentoring because obviously that is a key um, key support mechanism for that. And we also run them through all of our support services on the call to make sure that they're aware. Um, and obviously, one of the questions will be around uh, fee concerns, for example. Um, so we link them in. So that is really helpful. And the project also enables us to be quite flexible. So obviously, um, with the recent earthquakes, for example, we immediately, Monday morning, I got the data set through and we immediately called all of our Turkish, Syrian and Lebanese students to check in with them. And even though obviously there's nothing more we can do in that situation, but just the empathy and calling the students, that just meant a lot to them that they knew the university and the SU are there to support them. Yeah, right. Awesome. Awesome. It really showcases the, the need for data. If you don't have the data, you can't respond. Like yeah, that absolutely. Well, I can already tell this podcast is destined to blow over time, so I'm going to move us along a little bit here. Um, you know, when you think about the work that you and your team have been doing, um, is there a particular student success story that sort of stands out in your memory where you think, yeah, we really got it right that time, yeah, that's something we're proud of? Um, I think probably one of the, we have kind of different projects uh, and initiatives that we've run. I think one of the projects that I'm happy about are a group of students that we often forget about, which are interrupting students. Um, so students are, depending on what context you're in, intercalating students. So students have to take a year out for different reasons, family reasons, academic reasons, personal reasons. Um, and we often tend to forget about them whilst they're interrupting. Um, so we kind of start to have a bit of a comms piece around to get in touch with them whilst they're interrupting. We use the calling project to actually check in on them um, and get in touch with them in May, June. And then we worked with our academic skills team to run a kind of welcome back to uni session in September. And that was really well received because often these students are actually quite nervous to come back because they've been out of education for a year. They think they're the odd one out now because they've lost their peer group, they've lost their friends, um, and they have to come back and not only get used to kind of all the new systems and tools that have changed uh, on the university side, but also learning and making friends. And actually that kind of day was a good opportunity for us to promote Vigo, to promote peer mentoring, get them connected again, um, and actually ease them back into into education. Um, and the feedback we had from that was really good. So I would, yeah, that is one of the kind of smaller interventions, but really meaningful for those students. Awesome, okay, all right. And, you know, if you had your magic wand out, um, 
five years from now, or you know, just you know, far enough in the future that we can dream a bit big. Um, you know, what would be your vision for this support ecosystem that you're curating at Greenwich? Like, what what would be different? Or what would, yeah, what would be the vision there? I think if I had a magic wand, um, I think probably tailoring interventions more to individual students. So we always talk about this in the student engagement space. Obviously, every student is unique. Every student is individual. And there are so many different kind of intersectionalities and how we tailor interventions um, and make that more specific. And obviously, that takes that takes staffing time, that takes resources. Um, and really thinking about that, also doing more co-creation with students. Um, I think we're quite good at that at Greenwich, but obviously we can always do better, we can always do more. And actually having students lead some of these interventions, designing them, um, I think it's always more effective actually if there's a if there's a challenge or a problem that students have told us about, well actually they're the best ones to know how to fix it and they should be leading on that. Um, but obviously again that requires um, support and resource to do that. We do have a lot of student ambassadors and student staff that we work with that kind of feed into the various projects. Um, but I think yeah, in terms of bigger thinking, our thing for me would be more students leading on projects, more co-creation, and therefore being able to diversify that more and make sure that it kind of actually talks to all the different student demographics that we have. Mm. So it sounds like a lot of, you know, more more tech um, enabling sort of the heavy lifting. Yeah. So your team can focus more on really targeted, personalised student interventions for which you really want to see students and peer-to-peer surfaced. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think, I mean, everyone, well, we all have to report on data, uh, thanks to the Office for Students, but I think with my data, we don't know our, our student demographic, um, and that can tell us so much um, who our students are and what they need from us. So I think data is absolutely crucial um, in my area um, to plan any kind of interventions and track impact. And I think that peer-to-peer element is so important because obviously we have absolutely fantastic support services um but i think students react um much better a lot of the time to -to peer-to-peer support and sometimes they actually want to talk to a peer and they want to find out how was that for you how did you cope with that and that comes across um in a better way than if if i was to tell them Mm, yeah i mean i totally agree vigo we we are a support ecosystem platform you know so we cover everything staff to staff student to student um alumni alumni like all the different types of support services in the community, but um, you know, we've really, I mean, our ethos in Vigo comes from Vygotsky, I think you and I spoke about Vygotsky last time we were here, um, <laughs> but you know, that whole idea of Vygotsky is about um, sometimes the best person to learn from is that peer one step ahead. And so I, I think future, I totally agree, the future of higher education needs to surface those student-to-student relationships. Students are the only things that scale with students. Um, and. Every university wants to be scaling out yes. more, so <laughs> students need, that's the only thing, unless you want to keep throwing humans and spreadsheets at the problem, students are your key. Um, yeah. Totally agree. Favourite question um, of the whole podcast, what's a common misconception that you hear around the student experience space? It doesn't have to be at Greenwich, it could be more broadly as well, but in the industry. I think linking back to what I talked earlier about, kind of the cost of living crisis and how that impacts on students, I think... 
Um, a lot of people often tend to forget that actually students have really complex and complicated lives, just like us. Um, and just because a student doesn't come to class and doesn't attend doesn't mean that they don't care um, and they don't want to come to your teaching. They may have to work, they have dependents, they might have elderly parents they need to care for. And actually sometimes just asking that question and finding out what is going on in their lives, A, makes a difference for them because they feel like somebody cares about them, but actually helps us to understand why this they may have not come to that class and why they have not engaged and we can help them to catch up so I think that is yeah I think there can be a generalization of very well all these students they don't care they didn't come to class how dare they but actually most of the time I would say there are good reasons why they maybe couldn't engage and it's actually our job to think about how we can how we can support them in yeah. navigating those complex lives whilst they're studying. Yeah. If you don't get that qualitative feedback there's there's you could you could realize it's just some one really simple little thing at the beginning that the university can actually just hey we can turn that off for you like you know whatever it might be um you miss that if you just if you do just try to reduce it all to you know ones and zeros and and, and numbers you can miss that yeah uh, what's actually happening yeah absolutely and we do so obviously we have the calling project during term time but we also call all of our new students during the registration period um to support them with registration, but also asking them about welcome, and obviously talking through the welcome programme. Um, but this year we also ask around, well, what are you excited about coming to uni and what are you nervous about? Um, so we kind of get a better understanding what exactly is it that, they, that they're uncertain of. And obviously, again, making friends is a big, big feature in that. Yeah. And again, that is when we link to kind of Vigo and peer mentoring, um, because really that, if you have somebody who you can, who can come with you into that first event, um, that breaks the ice, that is usually... Um, yeah, that makes a big difference and actually that can change that trajectory of those first few weeks and how you go to class and how you engage. Um, So yeah, we're trying to have kind of different touch points of when we ask students questions and trying to find out what's happening and how can we react to that. Yeah, Yeah, I often think back to my first um, day at University of Queensland and and my wife's first day at University of Queensland where we had quite different trajectories. We're probably equally as social, but I just happened to sit down the very first day next to Joel Dietrapati, my now co-founder of my, my business, um, my wife, she didn't, she missed that initial friend. And by the end of the degree, she actually, you know, she hadn't, um, she had no, she had some light friends, but she had no really good crucial friends. And that ended yeah. up with a lot of like stress for her across the whole degree. Whereas just by chance, I sat next to like my perfect match in the entire world. Not my wife. <laughs> I met my wife at university, but she was later on, um, and uh, I think I think Joel coached me into that too. It's another plug for people. There you go. Uh, it's just it's, it's saying that I, I totally agree with you. The first days are so important, and really the pre-enrollment, um, that first friend, mm-hmm. so important. Yeah, and I think and the fact it's, you're continuing that as well is a lot different to yeah. what we've seen before. Yeah, and I think the other thing to think about then is the kind of as late arrivals and what happens after welcome, because we often focus on, oh, okay, this is two weeks of welcome, this is where it all happens, and this is where you have to meet your friends. But actually, A, some people are introverts and nervous and shy and don't want to kind of engage in that, but also, obviously, most institutions now are growing their international population. They might arrive late because of visa issues, whatnot, or students who change programs in the first couple of weeks because they realise, actually, yeah. I don't want to do law, I want to do criminology. Yeah. Um, and thinking about, actually, how do we support them in that week four, five, six period in term one? Um, when they've arrived late, they missed that key induction period. So they don't feel that they've missed out on everything, but actually mm. they realise 
all the support services are still there. I can still join the peer mentoring program. I can still make friends. It's not yeah. too late. And we can still help them succeed because obviously we all know that kind of term one before Christmas is really crucial um, for continuation into, into term two and the end of year one. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Hannah, do you want to ask the final clincher question, uh, the student uh, advice for a student? Yeah, I'd love to. What advice would you give to, to a student? To a new student, I think I would probably say don't, don't be afraid to try new things. There's always support available for you throughout your university journey, whether it's your peers or whether it's the services. And don't be afraid to ask questions and throw yourself into new things. And uh, university will um, probably change your life in some small or big way. Amazing. I love that. You're working there. There you go. <laughs> I love that you didn't actually make it one sentence. <laughs> It was a long sentence. Yes, it was a long... Uh, but typically, when I ask that question, people throw in like 10 paragraphs. You, you fit it into one. Thank you for sticking to the requirement. Uh, and with that, uh, we've come to the end of our roughly 15 minutes cutoff point for the podcast, and we will wrap up. Tanya, thank you so much uh, for having coffee with us here today on the Greenwich campus. Uh, thank you for sharing your stories, your advice, your visions. Uh, for everybody listening at home, this has been another episode of the Champions Coffee Podcast. Uh, thank you so much for checking it out. If you'd like to check out some of the other episodes, you can head to the Vigo LinkedIn page or you can head to any of the big streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple, whatever. You can see the whole backlog of episodes there. And that's it. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>